Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. God, the circumstances and the situations and the trials, the calamity that, that we walk through, the seasons that we seem to get stuck in. Lord, when you are with us, all things are possible. We can make it through each one of those situations. So, Lord God, today we praise your holy name because we know with you we can get through everything. Lord, help us to understand that that this time that we're living in on this earth right now is such a, a small piece of our eternity and, and we are all eternal beings destined to spend eternity somewhere. Lord, we, we are confident and we are excited knowing that we get to spend eternity with you. So, so going through these situations, Lord, our focus upon that. Lord, it is well with our soul when we proclaim the name of Jesus. Jesus, your name is to be spoken. Jesus, your name is to be proclaimed. We proclaim your name in this church. We proclaim your name in this neighborhood. We proclaim your name in this city, in this county, in this nation, in this world. The powerful name of Jesus cannot be contained. Jesus, be glorified with our worship, with our praise this morning. Lord God, we open up our hearts and we offer ourselves to you. Lord, what can we give to such amazing God like you? Lord God, it all falls short. So we humbly give our hearts to you. We humbly submit ourselves to you. So Jesus, today, in this house, you will be glorified. Speak to us, Lord God, as we interact with you. We pray this in the mighty name of King Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our beloved. And everyone shouted out, Amen. Go ahead and give him a, a clap offering. You know, as as uh, as we were praying this morning, we pray before uh, a service every Sunday morning at 9.30. And, and as we're praying, you know, different people are praying and God lays different things upon each each person. And it all comes together in this amazing thing. And, and the word the Holy Spirit laid upon me was hunger. Hunger. We need to be hungry for God, don't we? That's what we are to be. We are to be hungry. I, I remember one time, uh, this was back several, several, several years, we, we went out to Colorado and, and, I, and I climbed a 14er, a 14,000 foot peak. And, and back in those days, um, I didn't really just go out to enjoy things. I, I had to start my watch and time myself. So I could kind of see how fast I was moving per mile, how how long it would take me to get to the top, and then and then the turnaround to see how how fast I could come down, and and it was pretty grueling. It was it was pretty brutal, but but I I did it. I I got up there. I came down. I was so focused on just surviving, and then also making it down. And and afterwards, I remember, all of a sudden, I started feeling hungry. And this was a hunger that I had never experienced. Man, I've always been a big eater. People would like see how much they could feed me, how much I could eat. I love to eat. I love to be active and I love to eat. But this was different. It was a hunger that was just like, man, it was so deep within me. And I remember we went to a, uh, a restaurant in Colorado called Gunther Tootie's. It's like this old diner. It's amazing with like the real good cheeseburgers and fries and, and shakes and everything. And I, I like I ordered the biggest cheeseburger I could get and fries and a shake and all that. And I and it was like I inhaled it. And I should have been full. 
But I wasn't. I was like, okay, now I'm ready for a meal. There was, I had this hunger that I, that I couldn't, I couldn't get enough in me because I had put out so much. That's, that's, that's the type of hunger that we're, we're to have for, for Jesus. Each one of us in here should have a hunger that, that we crave Jesus on a daily basis. Every single day we're hungry for him. And, and, the, and the more we chase after Jesus, the more he fills us and satisfies us. But he makes our stomach even bigger. And he causes us to want to have a greater hunger for him. God, right now, this moment in time, this moment in the history of the world, God is calling his people to be hungry. As a church, we have to be hungry. If we as a church are hungry, God is going to satisfy us. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to send hungry people here because we're going to feed them. The, uh, let's see, what, what did I pull up here earlier? Matthew 5, 6, you guys know it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There's a world outside that is looking for something that will satisfy them. The world has failed Woke culture has failed them. Politics have failed them. They want something real. The more hungry we are as Christians, the more authentic we are, the more we're seeking Jesus, the more they're going to be attracted to our Jesus. Can we all agree right now that we need to increase our hunger? Amen? Man, we're already going in church. We've already started, and it hasn't even started yet. I am going to dismiss the kids right now, and then I want to just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cruise through announcements because this message today, man, it will increase your hunger today. Um, I'm super excited about it, so we'll give the kids a second to, to get out of here. Not get out of here, but to go to where they need to be. We never want the kids to get out of here, but uh, we always welcome them back. It's just sometimes a nice break for the adults, right? Moms and dads are like, you need to go to kids' church. Um, a lot of times wives are like, you need to go to church to their husbands and things like that. It's all great. We love it all here. Um, quick announcements. We have a food drive going on um, July, August. We're, we're trying to to stock up on the, the things that we absolutely need in the, the food bank. It's called Bridge the Gap. There are handouts out there that will run through real quick, kind of what we need, and then kind of what we don't need, and kind of what doesn't last very long. So some of the things, like, don't buy, like, the 55-gallon the drum of, of cereal from Costco and bring it in, because we're giving individuals and family stuff we can't give them that much and then it then it winds up going bad and for goodness sakes don't bring any corn or green beans in we don't need corn and green beans we are stocked up on that but other things are on that sheet so you know and then how many of you guys know that it's important to publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ you guys know that you guys understand that how many of you guys know that when when Jesus comes into you and the holy spirit fills you something has radically changed within you there's an inward experience that has that is and this totally transformed you and that we need to express that with with something outwardly right that's what baptism is all about and we've got baptism coming up um we've got a sheet out there to sign up i would encourage anybody if the holy spirit is nudging you in any way shape or form you need to be baptized maybe it's the first time Maybe you were baptized 50 years ago. Maybe you were baptized not long ago. But there's just something going on in your life, and you're like, "And I gotta, I gotta get this out. I gotta, I gotta publicly profess what is going on within me." I would encourage you to to get baptized. So sign up. You don't have to sign up to get baptized, but but it's just nice to have a good idea. What we are going to do is is not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. So two weeks from today. We will have church in here, we'll worship, we'll go through the Word. We're still going to be on our series on Colossians because that's going to take another year to get through at least. And then right after service, we're all just going to load up. We're just going to drive right down the street, right down the mountain to Spring Meadow Lake. We'll park there, we'll get out. Um, we're going to celebrate baptisms now. Even if you're like, well, I've been baptized, I don't need to be baptized again. What you need to do is come and support those that are being baptized down there, right? We're, we gather together as a body, 
right? A body of believers. We, we cheer them on. We root them on. We're just, again, we're all just publicly professing. And what better place to make that public confession that you're living your life for Jesus than Spring Meadow Lake? It's great. There's going to be people down there kayaking and, and hanging out, and we're just going to go down there and do a baptism, and they're going to be like, what's going on? We don't understand this. And we're going to be like, man, this is awesome. We love Jesus. This is happening. So two weeks from today, we will do that. Pray about it. Think about it. If you're stepping into a new season, a new, um, maybe a new role in your faith, maybe God's calling you to do something bigger in your faith, start it up with baptism, man. Get in there. Get, let's get... Let's get wet. Let's get dunked. It's, it's an awesome time. Um, the weather should be great. Also, um, camp is starting for the, the teens and the kids. Keep that in prayer. Amazing time. God touches kids, teens. Man, a lot of them need to be, they need to be touched really good. And, and God does it in His way, and it's awesome. So please keep that in your prayer. Four ways to give, of course. Always four ways to give. You can give online. You can text. You can give in, do the giving boxes. Throw it in an envelope, all that. You can mail it, all those good stuff. We know why we give because it's a form of worship. It's awesome. It's just part of, it's part of being hungry. When I truly started giving, it, was, it just got me more hungry to chase God even more. And, and, you know, we chase God, but He never runs too fast that we can never catch Him and, and things like that. All right, you guys ready to get going? Because I am. Um, because I'm telling you what, today we kind of, we don't turn a corner in, in Colossians, but we, we take another step in it, and it's really great. I would say that today, Today's message, today's passages that we go through, the verses that we're using, it's very theologically thick, right? It's, it's, it's super meaty. This stuff is amazing. What Paul did, how he, how he worded things, um, the progression that we're in, it's, it's just amazing. So be hungry. Be hungry this morning, and God, man, he is going to throw a gigantic porterhouse steak right in front of you. If you're a vegetarian, you come up for a prayer at the end of service. We'll help you through that. But man, God is going to throw us some meat today, and, it, and it's really good. Let's pray, and we are going to get going. I'm so excited about this message. Father, once again, it's good to be in your house. We love it. What better place is there to be than in your house, worshiping you with our brothers and sisters? Lord, that is your plan, and that's what makes it so Perfect. So, Lord, we are glad to be in your house. Jesus, it's all about you. Lord, it's all about you. It's about the supremacy of Jesus. It's about the supremacy of who you are. So, Lord God, help us to really understand that in our brains and really live it out with our hearts. So, Lord God, we're desperate for you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you just expose our hearts, open up our minds, and give us that hunger. Sometimes we don't even realize how hungry we are until we take that first bite. So Lord God, if, we, if we're in that spot, help us to take that first bite. Holy Spirit, help me to say only the things that you will have me to say. Shut my mouth with everything else. Again, open up hearts. And once again... I'm going to pray it because you, you are faithful in this prayer every single Sunday. I pray that nobody leaves here the same way that they came in. Be transformed, be changed. Lord God, help us to get over ourselves and get to you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. What a name to stay. What a name to be spoken. The mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone shout it out. That's kind of quiet. I'm just saying that's that was, it was rhythmic. Amen. But it wasn't the amen. Dennis isn't here today. Um, I don't know where Dennis is. He's probably on vacation, but but his booming voice isn't coming from the back. So some of you guys got to make up for, for Dennis's booming voice. I, I love it. Well, like I said this morning, we are going to transition from the greatest run on sentence of all time to this really authoritative portion of Scripture. It is, it is an amazing part of Scripture. But before we dig in, I, I, want, I want to say this. If you have missed any of the previous messages, especially 
especially last week's message. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Get on there and, and like it or subscribe to I don't even know what you do on YouTube. And, and our Facebook, you can get to it on Facebook. You know, do the same thing. On The more followers we have, the better. Or you can just use our app. You can just get our app and you can get to messages um, from our app. But I would definitely encourage you to keep up on this series um, because it builds, right? It's a book of the Bible, so each week builds on the previous weeks, and it really brings the necessary context that each one of us need when, when we're going through through the Bible. I had a lady last week, um, after last week's message, she said, hey, I've been through a small group series on the book of Colossians, but we didn't go near this deep. And it's like, but we love deep, because the deep, the depth is what brings that context that we so desperately need. Let's also remember the three main points that, that Paul is emphasizing in this letter. Do you remember them? I've, I've gone through them every week, probably go through them every single week, so get used to them. Number one, Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. We're going to see that today. Jesus is the Son of God. We're going to see that today. We are to strive to live a life in Christ. We are going to see that today. And, and remember, we, we look at these principles and how they apply to this book that we call Colossians, but we got to make this personal as well. I don't want you leaving here just with a history lesson. I want you to leave here and say, man, that's applicable to me. I want that in my life. And we do that by, by, by just changing the wording. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all of my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. How many of you guys believe in that? How many of you guys are doing that? Nobody. Nobody is. Anybody in here doing it? Believing it? Praying it? I hope so. I know some of you guys are just afraid to read hand. It goes back to junior high and all that, but it's okay. I know where you're at. Now today, as we move into verse 15, we now see Paul making this this spectacular, I'm going to call it a spectacular proclamation as to the supremacy of Christ. As to the supremacy of Christ. He's, he's just going to come out and he is just going to push it. And this is, this is where things get exciting. See, between verses 15 and 18, Paul makes three deep and all-encompassing statements concerning Jesus. That should get us excited. That should whet our appetite. That should get us hungry. See, these statements show his, his relation to deity, his relation to creation, and his relation to the church. Now, by proclaiming this, this is not only building up the faithful believers in the confidence of our Lord, it is also exposing the errors in the false teachers in the Colossian church. See, remember, the false teachers are coming against them. And Paul, in his wording and in his wisdom and in his leading and inspiration of the Holy Spirit while writing this letter, he's taking a different approach. Instead of coming out strictly against the false teachers, what Paul is doing is he's building up the faithful believers and proclaiming Christ through them so that they can just, man, they can saturate their church with the word of God and the truth. And it all makes sense. I love the way that, that, that Paul is doing that. But in that, he is exposing the errors of the false teachers here. And this is, this is important. This is an important step to get to in this letter because one of the things that the false teachers were propagating was this idea about angelic mediators. Interactions that, that sought to usurp the function and the place of Christ himself. And in, interestingly enough, you know, this message, obviously, when I worked this previous week on this message, and I'm, I'm all excited about it, and I'm, and I'm focused on it, and it's just, it's, it's right there in the front of my brain, right? And, and uh, Amy and Zana and I went down to the farmer's market yesterday, and, you know, there's all the, the vegetables, and, and we got tomatoes, but they weren't that good. But we still had BLTs and things like that. But, but as we're walking around, wouldn't you know, right 
off the bat, I look over and there's, there's a booth and there's, there's a lady sitting there and, and it says tarot card reading. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I hadn't seen that one down here before. Tarot card reading, man, that's like psychic, demonic stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, nobody's going to her anyway. They're all looking at other things. People, people are looking to, to, to buy crafts and things like that. So we, we walked all the way up the right side and turned around, and, and we're coming down all the way down the, the other side. And I'm, I'm just moving. I needed to walk, but I was with two people that were talking a lot, which is totally fine. But as I'm walking, I look over, and wouldn't you know it, there's another lady sitting in a booth kind of back, and, and I can't remember the wording exactly, but it was like angelic reading. Angel card reading. And I thought, isn't that interesting that we're in a portion of Scripture, in Colossians, and here I see the same thing happening Angel card reading. It's the angels that are going to direct you, right? It's the angels that are going to speak to you. See, that was a problem. That was a problem. That was trying to infiltrate into the church in, 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 in Colossae. It's not a good thing. So, so Paul has to come and he has to establish some things. It's the same thing. I mean, he's dealing with the same things that we're dealing with here. Now, in earlier epistles... Paul, Paul had written, right, he had wrote, you know, most of the, the, the books of, of the New Testament, and, and in some of those, those different epistles, such as, let's say, Romans or, or Galatians, Paul had stressed the importance of salvation. How many of you guys know that salvation is incredibly important? And that's why Paul's writing it. It's very evangelistic. But now, in this letter, Paul faces this new issue of false teaching and finds it necessary to declare Christ's infinite significance and his supremacy. So if you have your Bibles today, please open them up. Please mark them up. Please take notes and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 15. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Here it is. This is great stuff. Fasten your seatbelts. Dig in. He is the exact living image the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, and the originator of all creation. If anyone has a question about the deity or the divinity of Jesus Christ... Flip that, flip that slide. I wanted to put this one down. This verse right here makes the bold statement that we as born-again believers must stand upon our understanding and foundation as to the place of Jesus Christ in the Godhead. We must understand and be able to articulate Jesus Christ's place in the Godhead because we have a world of false religions and atheists and everyone else that seeks to call into question the deity of Jesus Christ. Because they know if they can call into question the deity of Jesus Christ, this whole book fails. It fails miserably. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Paul seeks here to end all speculation on the deity of Christ, a topic that is still questioned by some, no, many. It's questioned by many today. Let's, let's take a look at what Paul is affirming. Number one, Paul is affirming that Jesus is the exact living image of the unseen God. To the believer, this not only makes sense, it is also something that is so relatable and so authentic. We can barely remember a time that we didn't have this understanding, that we didn't have this foundational belief. We also understand that this revelation comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, without the Holy Spirit revealing to us who Jesus is, we are destined to challenge the deity of Jesus Christ. Why does the whole world question who Jesus is? Because there's a lack of the Holy Spirit manifesting itself within their life. 
The Holy Spirit's main mode of revelation is through the Scriptures, isn't it? The main mode that the Holy Spirit um, has chosen to reveal the deity of Jesus Christ is through your Bible. So when we make a choice, as well as an effort to read and comprehend the Bible, it always points to Jesus and His deity. Always. From the very beginning to the very end. Look at what 4, 3 and 4 says. But even if our gospel is, in some sense, hidden, being a veil, it is hidden only to those who are perishing. Among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now we see, now we understand who is ultimately behind the deception leading to the blindness of the world. Can we un agree that the world is not getting better? It's getting worse, right? That, that there are people that are blatantly questioning who Jesus is, but their lifestyles that are living are also blatantly um, explicit. Right, So the world is spiraling down and there's a lot of people who, who um, they don't understand because it's being hidden from them. There's a deception going on now that is, that is incredible. Now, this should come as no surprise because our enemy, the devil, has been deceiving mankind since the Garden of Eden in, in Genesis 3. Go back to Genesis 3. You will see that first interaction. And that first interaction just opened the door to more and more deception. And it's continuing to, to go on. So on one hand, it's no surprise that, that false teachers, and, and can I take it one step further and say false students are deceiving and being deceived and calling into question the deity or the supremacy of Christ. But on the other hand, true revelation is available to all who call upon the Word of God and begin to experience the living truth spoken through the Holy Spirit. I had somebody very excited this morning that needed to share a story with me. And this story was all about the Holy Spirit revealing to somebody the, the truth of the deity of who Jesus Christ is. Even though they're trying to fight it, they're exposing themselves in church and in the Word to, to the power of the Holy Spirit. And this person, it's working on them. It's, it's eroding all the junk of the world. It's breaking it down and the Holy Spirit is speaking. And we're going to watch something happen that's going to be truly amazing. It happens all the time. People just need to have that hunger. Now we must also understand that Paul's words here, these, these words, he is the exact living image of the unseen God. See, those, those words are not talking about or teaching that Christ is the image of God in a, a material or a physical sense. The true meaning is not limited here, but the true meaning is actually supernatural because we're dealing with a supernatural God. We also understand that this is an eternal statement. This statement right is the exact living image of the unseen God. That is an eternal statement. Jesus was. Jesus is. And Jesus always will be the exact living image of the unseen God. This image has not changed from pre-incarnate to incarnate to ascension. It, it hasn't changed. Jesus is the same. The exact living image of the unseen God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Man, you can take confidence in that. You can bet the farm on that one. And that should give us confidence that Jesus doesn't change. He never has. So we have an understanding that we are serving a God that's not going to pull a bait and switch. He's not going to change the rules on us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the living image 
of the unseen God. Jesus is the manifestation of God in that the nature and being of God are, are perfectly, perfectly revealed in Him. Look at, look at John 1, 18. No one has seen God, His essence, His divine nature at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is the unique Son who is in the, the intimate presence of the Father, he has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the Father. It's Emmanuel. It is God with us. Truly amazing and something we invite and we welcome in to our lives. Now understand that to a, to a degree... Probably a large degree, way larger than, than we ever admit to or understand. God, in, in some of His attributes, in some of His knowledge, in, in His wisdom, and even in His will, He's unknowable. Right? We serve an awesome God. And part of that awesomeness is, is, he, is he is unknowable. We, we will never completely know God. That's what's amazing. Is like, man, I took all the classes and went to all the seminars. I know God to the fullest. No, you don't, because He's unknowable. We, there's always something more that we can learn about God. But through Jesus Christ, God becomes knowable to us in those attributes and those areas that affect our faith, hope, our love, and our eternity. I'm telling you, this is some pretty amazing theology going on here today. But much, much, much more important, Paul's declaration conveys the preeminence of Christ universally as well as personally. Right? We can, we can look at all the theology that's going on here, but we have to understand personally we have a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and what He has done in our life. And we can begin to see that universally in our body, in the church and things like that. All right, let's keep going. So, so number one, Jesus is the exact living image of the unseen God. Number two, all things were created and exist through Jesus. This is another important and, and really fundamental statement here. Look at, look at Colossians uh, verses 16 and 17. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through Him. That is, by His activity and for Him. And He Himself existed and is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Now, if that doesn't speak to supremacy, I don't know what does. That's amazing. What gives Christ the ability to have authority here? Well, it's because He is the firstborn or the Lord over all creation because he made it. Look at 1 John 1 through 3. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word. The Word is Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co eternal with God. All things were made and came into existence through him and without him not even one thing was made that has come into being what a powerful passage what a powerful passage of scripture right there this is important this is important here for for us right now as well as those in the the Colossian church struggling with, with false teachers and, and that were perverting the Word. This is important because we need to understand that, that, that Jesus didn't just come in, in born in a manger, right? That wasn't like the first time Jesus had ever existed. Jesus has existed from eternity past and Jesus will exist to eternity forward. It's the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has always been there. We can't call into question the deity 
of Jesus Christ. Now back to verse 16 and 17 here. Listen and underline this. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and existed through him. That is by his activity and for him. See, Jesus is not only the creator of all things, he is also the sustainer of all things. Now we see how God's ultimate will comes into play with, with Bible prophecy and how the supremacy of Christ governs this earth. It's all tied together. Christ not only created, Christ sustains. Not back then, not just now, but for eternity forward. And yet, in all of this, we as faithful believers can face every day in every situation with the confidence and hope that only Jesus instills. Right? You believe that? Only Jesus instills that kind of hope. Why is the world hopeless? Why is there so many people in this town that are hopeless? Because there's an absence of Jesus, not in this town, but in their life. They need to develop a hunger that leads them to the Word, that leads them to revelation while the Holy Spirit is, is in there and, and marinating and speaking so that they can come to Jesus, they can profess their faith in Jesus Christ, become a follower, a disciple of Christ, which then, man, it just pulls hope right into their life. Could it be that easy? Are you saying that, that the solution to every problem in this world is Jesus? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is 100% what I'm saying. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet because now we come to number three. Number one, Jesus is the exact living image of the unseen God. Number two, all things were created and exist through Jesus. Now look at number three. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the church. Let's take a look at verse 18. Verse 18. He is also the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in what? In everything. In everything. This really speaks to the supremacy of Christ as it relates to now, but also for eternity. See, Christ's headship of the church is sovereign, meaning Jesus possesses ultimate power and authority over his church forever. Over his church forever. The head of the church is Currently, Jesus Christ. That will not change in four years. That will not, there won't be an election. There won't be a pastoral transition. There won't be any of that. Jesus is the supreme authority over the church now and forever, as in eternity. Forever. How amazing. Get to know Jesus now because you're going to know him for eternity. De develop that hunger. Paul's wording here, describing the church, the words that he chose are, are, are important here. See, Paul states that, that Jesus is the head of the body. He uses the word body. This suggests, at the very least, three important things we need to be implementing into our perception of church. See, everybody has a different perception of church. Believers, true, born-again believers have a perception of church. The occasional visitor to church, they have a perception of church. People that, that go to church on Christmas and Easter, we call those creasters. They have a different perception of church. Those that are outside of the church that have never set foot in church, except for maybe a wedding and maybe a funeral, they're going to have a different perception of the church as well. So there's all these different perceptions of church. So Paul's like, hey, we gotta we gotta clear this up. We use this word body. We're not using building, right? We're not using 
organization. We're not using association. We're not even using denomination. We're saying Jesus is the head of the body. So this, this, there's three important things that we need to understand and then implement into our definition of church, what we believe church to be. Let's look at those three. Number, number one, the church is a living organism, a body, right? Composed of members joined together through Christ. You guys are joined together through Christ. Look around. There's people, I don't know about him. Well, he's joined together with you, so you better know about him. We are a body of believers. Number two, the church is the means by which Christ carries his purpose and performs his work. Woo, what? Are you kidding me? The church? Us? Seriously, Jesus? We are the means by which you carry out your purpose and perform your work? What kind of plan is that? And Jesus says, man, I see so much in you. If you will just develop that hunger, if you will humble yourself to me, if you will listen to me, if you will read my scriptures, if you will pray, if you will jump in with both feet, I can do amazing things through my church. It's His plan. But it's also many times our failure. So we need to understand that the church is the means by which Christ carries His purpose and performs His work. If you want, you can, you can take the church right there and, and over it or around it, just per, I am. I am the means by which Christ carries His purpose and performs His work. Because sometimes when we say church, we can... We can um, um, unbond ourselves from that statement, right? We can distance, oh, well, it's the church's job. Therefore, it's probably the pastor's job to do this and this. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying it's a body. It's all of us. We need to come together and carry out his purpose and perform his works. And then number three, the union that exists between Christ and his church, Christ and us, Christ in each one of us, is intimate and it is real. We are not deists here that believe that, yes, there's a God and he created the world, but then he distanced himself from the world. He's, he's really unknowable. He set the world in motion and now it's in motion and, and, and we can acknowledge him and believe in him, but we can't have a relationship with him. That's not what we believe because we know the opposite to be true, that we can have an intimate and real relationship with him. The body of believers, you and I personally and universally as the church. Not only can we, but we need to. And we're supposed to. Because if we don't believe that, then number one and number two have some serious problems. The church is the faithful believers in Christ. And the church is us. It's you and me. Together Everybody say, together, together. In, unity. in unity. We constitute the body or one living unit that is reliant upon and incomplete without each other and Christ as the head. Now, now it's easy, the second part of that statement, oh, of course, I'm totally, I'm totally incomplete without Jesus, right? Jesus has to be the head in my life. And Jesus has to be the head in this church because without Jesus, I'm incomplete. But did you know without, without the body, without your brothers and sisters in Christ behaving like a body, we are also incomplete. The whole nonsense of, of that statement what is that statement? I would rather be in the mountains thinking about God than in church thinking about the mountains. Man, your theology is all messed up because you need to be in the mountains thinking about God and you need to be in church thinking about God and others. It's an organism. It's a body. Don't try to distance yourself from the body. I don't care if you've been offended. I seriously don't. If you've been offended by someone or something in this church, get over it. Get over it. Put on your big boy pants and get over it. You're a part of the body. You're a part of the body of Christ. Don't try to be the lone Christian. Don't come in late and leap early and not have... Don't. Oh, there's a potluck. I'm going to avoid that like the plague. I might actually have to talk to somebody. No, that's not what Jesus wants. He wants to be the head of the church and He wants to be His body all 
working together. I think a lot of us in here, we don't like it when our body doesn't work right, right? Ah, oh, my knee hurts. I'm walking funny. Oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, can't keep a straight thought in my head. Whatever. Your body's not working properly. Jesus is saying, I'm the head. I want my body to work properly. Get along with each other and invite more and more people into this body. So I'm sorry if I offended you with that last statement, but get over it. Get over it. Because church is you and church is me. And we constitute the body. Paul also calls Jesus firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. The meaning here is that Jesus was the first to come from the dead in true resurrection life. Right In true resurrection life, Jesus was the first. And because he was the first to be born from the dead, Jesus possesses in himself the new and true life for his people. The reason we are here today is because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. See, if Jesus didn't resurrect, it's all for naught, right? Hey, you can receive salvation because of the blood of the cross, but without resurrection, you're still going to die, right? But resurrection says we're going to live together with Christ as our head, as a body. With Man, I see all these eyes staring up at me and think, man, what a body. Man, we... My brain goes in weird... My brain is all... I love graphic design and everything, and uh, I just had an idea for a shirt. It's probably not a, a good idea. Hey, bridge assembly. Now that's a nice body. Right? Wouldn't that be good? Maybe it would, right? Like, what does that mean? But because he is the firstborn, Jesus possesses in himself that new and true life that he extends to each one of us. And in so doing, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ is what established and establishes his place as the head of the church. It's, it's his resurrection life. It's the firstborn from the dead. That's what allows him, that's what grants him the authority to be the head of the church. And it was through this event that gave birth to the church, right? The resurrection is what gave birth to the church and the sovereignty of Christ. And now for his church, remember it's an eternal establishment. It's eternal. It's an eternal. When Jesus resurrected and established his, his church, he establishes his body for eternity. Now, theologically speaking, we are currently living in the church age, correct? The church age started with the birth of the church, and the church age will continue until the rapture of the church. So right now, we are smack dab in the church age, waiting, looking for, hoping and praying for the rapture, but until the rapture happens, we are in the church age. But the church or the body of believers will endure forever. Amen. See, the church doesn't end at the church age. Just the church's um, function, the church's purpose ends at the rapture, at the end of the church age. But the church, the body, lives on for eternity. Look again at the end of verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. Now this is really a summary or a concise statement of everything leading up to here from verse 15. Right? It all starts to come together here. Again, uh, another big statement. Because Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, his preeminence has become universal, encompassing both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So Jesus Christ 
is in the Old Testament, and Jesus Christ was the Son of God in the Old Testament, and Jesus Christ is in the New Testament, and Jesus Christ is the New Testament. See, see, the Old Testament always looks forward. When you're reading the Old Testament, you read it within the context or the idea that everything is looked forward to Jesus. And then we hit the, the incarnation. Jesus comes, he lives, he dies. And now the rest of the Bible is looking back onto Jesus. So the entire Bible is all about Jesus, and it's his sovereignty. See, Jesus has always been the first, and by his resurrection and his sovereignty, he has declared it even more and in a more significant way. How amazing is it to be alive right now in this church age time? Our very eternity is dependent upon his sovereignty, his forgiveness through the blood, and His resurrection. It is Jesus Christ alone who is the mediator between the Father and us. Jesus Christ alone. There is no angelic mediators. There are no saints that we need to pray to. There is not Mary that we need to get involved. Jesus is the mediator between the Father and us. Him and Him alone. Put that slide up. I like this slide. So the false teachers in the Colossian church as well as the false teachers of today that seek to instruct or explain anything that is in contradiction or conflict with Paul's proclamation as to the supremacy of Jesus Christ are just that. False! They are false. Now, denominationally, there can be some things that, that theologically we can disagree on, things like how we structure church leadership. Big deal. Um, what songs we choose to sing, oh, what? how we choose to sing those songs, the color of our carpet, the name that we choose, the denomination that we may or may not be affiliated with, even to the point of, of really how we administer communion or baptism and, and so on and so forth. Um, those we can have differences in, but what the true churches, those who belong to the body of Christ, can never question is the deity of Jesus Christ. Any church that you hear about, attend, loved ones go to, family, neighbors go to, if they call into question the deity of Jesus Christ, then they are not a part of the true church of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus is the Son of God. It means that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. It means that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, is the head of the church. The only mediator between the Father. That's the biggest one that's being called into question by some churches today. They are saying that, that Jesus isn't necessarily the only way to the Father. He's just one of the ways to the Father. Turn tail and run. And pull as many people out of those churches as possible. Because that is false gospel. That is false teaching. See, um, in these statements by Paul, it draws the distinctive line between biblical truth and false doctrine. And it is one of those things that we must be aware of. And we, each one of us, the body, we got to take a hard line on this one. We got to take a hard line on who Jesus is, his deity, and that he is the only way to the Father. Now, Paul in this letter is instructing and he's encouraging the Colossian church to do just that. And I believe that we are called to do no different. We are called to do the exact same thing. So all this stuff is happening in, in this city, in, in, in Colossia, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden there's false teachers and they're coming against this church. The church doesn't know what to do, so they send Epaphrath to Paul, who's in prison, right? He's got his handcuffs on and, and all that. And Paul's like, he hears about what's going on with the faithful believers. It gets him excited. He, he writes this letter to encourage them to stand strong in the faith of Jesus Christ and who he is. So he sends this letter back. And, and this letter, it, this letter wasn't meant to be read like once. This letter was meant to be read over and over and over and dissected and, and, and really consumed 
to build that hunger for them. And, and now all of a sudden, these faithful believers are going to stand up and take a hard line. They're going to take a hard line on the deity of Jesus Christ over creation, um, being the, the God Himself, right? Being the head of the church. And, and as they begin to do that, do you think that's going to make this church real popular? Do you think this is going to make this the easy church to go to? Ooh, let's pick the easy church. People love to pick the easy church, right? I like to breeze in and breeze out and never get challenged. I, I, I actually leave church the same way that I came in, right? That's what a lot of people do. They like to choose a church like this. This church is now going to take a stand. The faithful believers are going to rise up. It's not necessarily going to make them popular. But we need to do it just as much as they did, despite how that may cause us to be labeled in our community or by our nation, both outside as well as inside the now ambiguous umbrella of Christianity. We have to get beyond that. We've got to draw the hard line. We've got to stand on Christ and not care what everybody thinks. Christ and the gospel is the most offensive thing ever. When Jesus came and walked this earth and taught, he was so incredibly offensive. He was intolerant to sin. He called it like it is, and I, people are longing for that in their life, in an ambiguous society that says everything's okay. If it works for you, great. If you believe in it, it's truth to you. And people are sick of that. They're tired of that. People want the truth. And Jesus extends the truth to us through the Holy Spirit and His Word. So just like the faithful believers in, in Colossae, we are to stand firm in our faith. We are to share our testimony and we are to point people to Christ. Worship team, you guys would like to come up here. See, this is God's mandate. This is God's mandate. And this supersedes anything that man or government can attempt to exact upon us. Right? There's a reason that there is a persecuted church in many of the countries around the world today. It's persecuted because it's taking a stand. The, the thing here is, is that everything's just great here, so we don't necessarily have to take a stand yet, but it's rapidly getting to that point. So I would ask you this. How tall is your stance as a follower? How tall is your stance as a follower of Christ, despite what's going on in your life right now? despite the good times or the bad times. Maybe, maybe you're going through some situations where it's like, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm just trying to get through day to day to day. I can't stand tall. I'm just, it's hurting, man. I'm just trying to get from Sunday to Monday and Monday to Tuesday and, and things like that. And there's tragedy in people's lives. There's always tragedy and there's seasons, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's all sorts of things that are going on. I would ask you this, is it well? Is it well in your soul? How will you choose to stand? Maybe things are going great for you right now, but are you standing tall like you should be standing? Is it well? I want to do something different this morning. If, if you are on the, the um, prayer ministry team, if you are on guys know who you are I want you guys I want you guys to come up in couples just come on up I want you to just fan out right here <laughs> I want you to see church I want you to see that there's people kind of space out space you guys are heavy on that side come on this come on right down there I want to give you guys opportunity to come up and, and get prayer to actually come up and pray with somebody. This is a, a, a maybe a different type of altar call that I'm giving right now, but, but I want to open this up to you. We all have stuff. We're all going through things. We, we have things we need to get out. We need to, to speak forth. We need prayer for certain things. Why wait? 
Why not do it today? Man, maybe there's unforgiveness and you just need prayer so you can have the strength to forgive. Maybe there's indecision. Maybe you don't know what the next step is. Maybe you just need to take that next step. Don's not even waiting. He's just saying, man, pastor talks too long. But I want to invite you guys. And maybe you just want to hit one of these spots at the altar and crash before the Lord. There is no wrong decision. There is no wrong way when you're approaching Jesus. He wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to guide you this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up our hearts before you, we are confident that you will receive us. You are gentle and you are intimate and you are real. Lord God, we want to experience that this morning. Lord, if we're going through hard things or questionable times or or we have people in our life that are going through hard things, Lord God, it is well in our soul because we have you as our eternal Savior, sovereign over all things, firstborn and creator. So Jesus, we ask that through the Holy Spirit, you minister to us today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Let's pray with each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we'll take as long as we need. need to pray with somebody. These guys are so well-versed in prayer. They are fantastic.
sing the way maker man if you need a touch from god man if you need a healing emotional physical um spiritually financial who who cares what it is man jesus man he can heal all of those things if you need that man let's just proclaim it out to god grab some prayer don't let this time get away from you grab hold of what god is 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 convicting or confirming or challenging you with we're going to sing this this song and let's just sing it together as the body singing it to our head and then uh and then well you can disperse after that but don't let this time get away from you amen amen Amen. this concludes today's message We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.